Remember when you loved what you did for a living and you got excited talking about it? The Portfolio Career Podcast is here to help. Help you find that next project, next idea, or next friend. Host David Nabinski will interview those that have optimized their careers for growth, resilience, and ultimately happiness. Tune in and let's have some fun. Hey friend, really excited for this Portfolio Career Podcast episode with Jeremy Redleaf. After college, he continued building websites, work on different projects, and he also even worked in the construction field. Through this and also learning new skills and software programs, people started coming to Jeremy for advice. And then when the recession hit, Jeremy came up with this idea to create a comedy and content narrative on this called Ajab Nation. On day two of launching this, the site got picked up by CNN. And Jeremy said, you know what? We should turn this into a company. It was a platform for people to find jobs. This also launched TV opportunities for Jeremy. It allowed him to utilize a lot of his passion, which is being a creative producer and writer. Then Jeremy decided to go full steam ahead on Third Street Blackout, a feature film related to Hurricane Sandy. Jeremy talks about how he's continued to tinker with different projects and different ideas and experiment along the way. Jeremy is the co-founder of Cave Day, which is a place for people to get deep work done in New York City and LA. They recently launched a new membership plan. I've been a member and it's been extremely helpful to me. Definitely encourage you all to check that out. Jeremy is a creative entrepreneur, so if you're interested in film, media, and productivity, Jeremy is an expert in those fields. So definitely check out this episode for that to build and grow your portfolio career. And as always, let me know what you think. Cool. Welcome to Portfolio Career Podcast. Your host, David Novinsky, is here with Jeremy Redleaf. Hello. What's going on, Jeremy? You know. So, you, so, you guys can't see this, but David's wearing incredible pants right uh, now. You're too kind, Jeremy. So, so Jeremy, we just came from Cave Day, we are mm-hmm. the co-founder of, and uh, you work on a couple of the different projects, but, you know, in your words, if we were to go to an event tonight and you were to introduce yourself, how do you typically introduce yourself? This is something that I've struggled with my entire portfolio career, as I'm sure many have. Right now, what I say, depending, I actually, I change it based on the context, but Mostly I say I'm a creative entrepreneur because from there I can go different ways. I used to say I'm an artist and a filmmaker. Before that, I would say I'm a, I'm a Jeremy of all trades. <laughs> uh, what I, you know, and, and my, my new thing at parties is that if someone asks me that too early in a conversation, I, I actually don't answer it at all. Mm. And can you provide a little bit more context to that last part? Is that you don't feel comfortable or is it just not a really engaging conversation? Or What I think what we're trying to say is, like, I want to know you or I want to connect with you. And oftentimes what you do leads to disconnection or like or a dead end of a conversation. Yeah. You know, maybe one person says, I'm really passionate about my work. And one person is like struggling or in between things. And then that person, they both feel awkward because one person realizes that their job is their identity. And one person realizes that they're looking for their identity. And then there's, and now there's this disconnect. So I just find that it usually doesn't, if, if too early, it doesn't lead to connection as much as I'd like it to. Yeah, that's great. And, and so how did you, you mentioned creative entrepreneur is one mm-hmm. of the key characteristics or key, key things you mentioned. Mm-hmm. After Fordham, how, how did you start going down that path? Well, I didn't start after Fordham. I started while I was at Fordham. One of the reasons why I chose Fordham, I went to Fordham College in Lincoln Center, was the opportunity to be in New York where I wanted to build my career. So I saw it as an opportunity to not have to worry about the things that we worry about in our 20s in New York 
and start early. So I spent college networking, building relationships, building uh, my first revenue stream. So by the time I got out of college, it wasn't like, what am I going to do now? It's like, oh, great. I've got 20 more hours a week to do that. So that's really, really interesting. So you said you had, you focused on relationships, networking and revenue streams and, and, and projects while you were in work, right? In college. Yeah. Yeah. In college. Okay. And so then when you get out of, out of college, then what? Uh, then I moved home for maybe six months um, while my friends got their things together so we could all move to the city uh, together <laughs> and be like an apartment of friends living in a two-bedroom apartment with five people. But after college, I just I just continued what I was doing, which at the time was acting, was building websites for people, was starting to think about content, creating my own content, and just hustling. I would do like random odd jobs. <laughs> So, so speaking of odd jobs, uh, <laughs> I guess that was a segue, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, so you you started a company called Odd Job Nation. Yeah. So so a couple of years out of college, um, because of um, uh, the things I just described, I started to learn how to do a lot of different things. And on Monday I would be doing construction, and on Tuesday I would be doing crew for a, a shoot, and on Wednesday I would be acting in a commercial. So I just knew a lot of different worlds. Um, I taught myself accounting, I taught myself Photoshop, I taught myself Illustrator and, and um, After Effects. And so people started to come to me for advice uh, because the recession hit. So the recession hit and people were often coming to me for advice and, and uh, people that had been laid off. And so so that was happening. And then and then I was trying to think of interesting content and I came up with this idea with my executive producer at the time, uh, Ashley Albert. We came up with an idea for a, a, f- a funny show about two, two people doing odd jobs in New York City. <laughs> and, and then the recession hit. So, so we, we made this show and on a whim... I said, what if, uh, the show was called Odd Jobs, it was about these two guys, and on a whim I said, what if we actually had a website where people could find and post Odd mm. Jobs, and at the time that Craigslist was the only mm. game in town, and it was like a little seedy and a little, you know, embarrassing to go on Craigslist to look for jobs for most people. So uh, I made this website called Odd Job Nation, and we were gonna, you know, we were just gonna launch it with the show as in like, here's a funny show, and here's like, you know, haha, you could find a job while you're on the site. And on day two, CNN found the website because they were looking for new, inspiring things happening during the recession. And so CNN puts it on the front page of, you know, <laughs> CNN.com. And, <laughs> and we get bombarded with traffic and people just assume we've, we're a startup. Like, people assume we're a funded startup. And so, <laughs> like, for, from there for four years, I just did press for a website that was just supposed to be supplemental content to a comedy show that I wrote. Um, and so I actually built it out. Like I learned how to code and I learned how to I hired some, you know, some virtual help and we built this, this website and then it started to make money. So I was like, I guess this is like a little business. <laughs> and it got to the point where people were, were coming to the website, not for my show, but for the jobs. And so I had to start advertising my own show on my own site. So that's really fascinating. You know, you didn't really anticipate it and then CNN picks it up. Yeah. And then you have, then you react to it and then you build out the company further. You also mentioned earlier, you said you just started doing odd jobs and stuff mm-hmm. and, and then people started coming to you for advice. Were you, it seems to me that you've kind of, you were constructing different either relationships or skills or projects. Um, did you, how are you, how are you thinking about that? Or like, you know, to me, it seems like you kind of were creating a mini portfolio of, of work and relationships and projects and skills at a really earlier, um, you know, a while back. Mm. How, how are you thinking about designing that or, or, or were you? I don't think I was thinking about it other than perhaps I had a couple of mentors is the truth. Mm. So I had a couple of mentors that, that taught me a lot. And one of the things 
it taught me was to treat everyone like a possible part of my network. So I started building, uh, you know, I just sort of, so anyone that you met that was interested in what you're doing, like get their email address, anybody that you think is going to, you know, go somewhere, stay in touch with them, you know, just sort of assuming that even if someone doesn't seem like they're going to be, you know, a primary collaborator, they might buy something you do. So like every, every possible interaction is a possibility for a connection. So that's how I was thinking. So I was just trying to capture information. So I just, you know, I started with a spreadsheet, you know, (laughs) these are the people that I, that I, Hmm. um, met. Yeah. I just, I just, I met people along the way, you know, like there was a time where like those books about super connecting came out, Mm. you know, the tipping point. And, and then all of a sudden you started to see people that were really taking networking seriously. And, and, and so I think all those things had an effect on me and and slowly made their way into my brain. Hmm. Okay. And and so while you're working on odd job nation as, Mm. um, you know, leading that company, what other, you know, what other projects and, and, and businesses were you starting to, to think about? Yeah, so, so what happened with Ajimation was this, this business um, appeared, and that business actually has really allowed me to continue to have the portfolio career that I've had. It sort of helped me establish a baseline. And, uh, but, but the content, the, the comedy show Odd Jobs that I created also did very well and, and um, led to a TV development deal. And so I got repped as a writer and a director and I started to develop content for different platforms. And that's really where my passion was. You know, I created this business by accident, but my passion was really to, to pursue content. So um, I had the choice to raise money for the, the business or to pursue the thing that I was, I, I was really passionate about and I chose the latter. So I... Lived with the, content. Yeah, so I, cho- I chose content and so I've been, I've been playing that, that crazy game for, for <laughs> a long time. And, and so I... So those for a while it was just it was just let me try to sell some tv shows keep odd job nation going i would get interested in something and i would try it i would do you know i I often my businesses usually start as an experiment so i'll try this thing and see if that sticks and so so i was just you know following my my instincts and so that's led to to a couple other projects that i'm sure we'll talk about yeah yeah and so so you mentioned starting an experiment, testing it, learning from it, and um, going from there. Yeah, essentially, like I created the lean startup before. <laughs> no, yeah, no. I mean, I mean, it sounds great. Like uh, it sounds super lean and agile. Test it, test it. But I, but I think the truth is, the other side of it is uh, doing a test. So if it if it doesn't work, I don't feel so bad, right? Mm. So or if it really works, I'll know that. I've sort of come to the idea later that uh, not everything works from the first moment so like you know knowing when to knowing when to quit is really important it you know it might not be clear from day one that this thing is going to change the world i'm sure i'm sure 50 percent of the things that are now changing the world weren't changing the world when they first launched yeah i think like airbnb talks about that they launched like four times totally yeah or five times and uh okay and then talk to me a little bit more about some more production work and, and, and some of that more content like types of business. Like, what's what's a day in the life of Jeremy now, and, <laughs> and, and how did you kind of get to that point? So some other kind of key moments along the way. Sure, well, those are that's four questions. Yeah, just <laughs> answer answer one. anyone, yeah. whatever <laughs> I want. <laughs> well, so 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 basically, um, 
I got caught up in TV development for a long time, and I stopped acting like a creative entrepreneur. So I would, I would just, I got caught up in the glitz and the glamour of maybe having a TV show, and I stopped experimenting. So I, a couple of years ago, decided to go back to experimenting. So that led to, a, I made a feature film called Third Street Blackout, and that was, that was just, what if I just raised money for a film and made it? What if I didn't just test something out, but actually did it? So, um, so that was an incredible experience. And, and then in Third Street Blackout, that's tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, sure. Third Street Blackout is a is a dark comedy set in the blackout of Hurricane Sandy, about a couple that has to like put up, put down their te- technology and actually talk to each other. Mm. And um, it, it came out last year and had a theatrical tour and you know launched my career as a as a feature director. As a feature director. Yeah. Okay. And uh, and you're still pursuing that yeah. path. Yeah. Yeah. So so yeah. I mean, it, no day looks the same for me. Um, I have this you know I have Cave Day, which is this really exciting business that we're building and it's also a business that allows me to, to, to work on like my creative work and actually came out of my my desire to find the time to do better work so basically today it's it's either doing something for cave day or it's using the time that i create in cave day to write my next screenplay to develop the next pitch to to figure out what my podcast would be so so those are those are uh, i try to every every twice a month i try to not work for a day hmm. Okay, and so then to give a little bit more context about Cave Day, sure. Cave Day is a yeah. In your words, yeah. What's Cave Day? I'm a big fan. Of, <laughs> I'm a serial user, and I really do want to thank Jeremy and Team Four for creating Cave Day. It's been a you know a true joy. Thanks, man. I appreciate yeah. it. It's been a, it's been great to have you there. The idea of a Cave Day is what if you could get so much more done in a day than you thought possible if you took a Cave Day if you really went off the grid. That was a question I asked myself. A, about a year and a half ago because I couldn't find the time to do to do deep work to do the kind of work that requires flow the kind of work that actually pushes you forward and moves the needle for me that takes time to get to it's not just I can't just work for 30 minutes and get there so I started taking cave days by myself to to find the time and they were really effective and they're really draining mm. um, so I got together with two partners Jake Kahana and Molly Sonstang and I said, what if, what if we did this as a group event? Like, what if we had a group cave day on a Sunday? And we catered it, and we had coaches around, and we supported people if they got stuck. Like, what, what about that? And they were both like, yeah, let's give it a shot. <laughs> <laughs> so we, and we had a space to try it out. So there was, like, there were, the only stakes were no one would buy tickets. So we, we opened it up to our networks, and it sold out. And people said at the end of the day, when are you doing this again? And so um, that one did it was clear from the first one that we had has, had resonated in some way. Um, and then we did it again. And then Fast Company heard about it, and they came and did a profile of us. And then we and then from there, just like past projects, people from around the world started reaching out. So so it organically grew into you know I, I, we weren't none of us were trying to start a start a business or a, or even more than one event. It was just an experiment. And um, and now it's grown to we do it in New York, we do it in Los Angeles, we do it uh, online. And now we do it for companies as well. Yeah, yeah. It's great. I, lo- I love what you guys are doing there. Thanks, man. Um, we just came from it. That's true. <laughs> Morning cave. And uh, so you said a day in the life doesn't, um, there is no, key, it's different every single day. Mm-hmm. And you also, and uh, is it fair to say that that allows some type of creativity and, and that you're kind of always looking for because it's no day is the same? Or is that just because you're well, working on I a try, lot of different things? It's because I'm working on a lot of different things. It's because I get excited. I, I never get bored when I'm mm. switching it up. It's also I also try to to make my schedule so Mondays are creative days, Tuesday are logistical days, Friday is a experimental day. So I try I try to take a day at a time and, and 
come up with a theme or a kind of work that I'm doing. But yeah, I mean, that, a couple of years ago, I realized that I'm a freelancer and I don't feel free. Um, I just, I play defense. Like, oh, I got to do all these things. But, and then, like, I met Jake uh, Kahana, my co-founder of Cave Day. And he told me that he takes a Ferris Bueller day once a quarter. And I was like, a Ferris Bueller day? What's that? It's a Ferris, you need know, to take a day off and do fun things. And I said, that's crazy. I could never do that. And he was like, well, I mean, you're, you work for yourself, don't you? And I was like, yeah, I, I guess I do. But I'm a terrible boss to myself. So mm. I've been trying to be a better boss and so that's I mean that's to me the one of the things about a portfolio career that's really valuable is that you um, get to to choose how you spend your time and okay and then so what do you what have been some some key lessons learned or key other moments you mentioned two mentors that Mm -hmm. you used to talk to or and still talk to about you know kind of new ideas that you're exploring and you know, what have been some other kind of key moments that uh, that you kind of looked back on as like transformative experiences? In regards to what? Along the year, into your journey, mm. you know, and like Third Street Blackout, like mm. how, did, how did you get, how did you start that? You know, how did, you know, whenever you get kind of stuck a little bit, mm. what do you, you know, do you reach out to the mentors? Do you? Mm. I mean, the thing about a portfolio career is that there's often that moment of what's next to finish a thing what's the next thing and um that's happened a few that continues to happen and i think the some of the trans i mean third super black was definitely a transformative experience in that it was the biggest thing i had ever done it took four years from start to finish it involved hundreds of people at the end and it really required me to be a leader in a way that i had never experienced before and it was it was like like having a a, a 30 person startup for you know a set period of time with an end date mm, yeah. <laughs> um and i and it was so fulfilling for the first time in my life i was doing one thing every day and i was so jazzed about it and i was so clear that it was the right thing for me to be doing and so when it finished it was like well i want i want that feeling again. maybe that <laughs> maybe i don't want to do something different every day maybe i want to do that so that was transformative in that I I realized that either is possible for me to be happy, but it also made me realize how much I enjoy collaborating with and leading a team. So I've been uh, moving my thinking from being a lone wolf in the world into into building things with other people, where I get to to bounce off of other people and also be a leader and, and... guide something from that perspective in terms of when i get stuck or when i when i lose my way i i i think i i the the kindest thing i can tell myself these days is that um is just to be really clear on what i'm looking for Mm. for a long time i was looking for validation through my work and or through my career successes and um or belonging and a mentor who said what if you'll what if you'll never feel like you belong and i was like oh (laughs) that's possible (laughs) and so but from there I was able to go well if I'm never going to feel like I'm going to belong if if that's possible what how could that be a positive might that allow me to be a little little kinder to myself if I'm never going to get there like maybe I don't need to work so hard yeah like maybe I don't need to like grind so hard to prove something if even if I prove it it's not going to feel like enough so it's allowed me to 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 when I don't know where I'm going to go next to be okay with that and to be like this is just where I am this moment it's okay to explore people still love me i still have made things i'm proud of and i'm and i know i'll make something i'm proud of again and this is like the what's the baseball analogy this is like uh, a rebuilding year or <laughs> a farm a farm yeah. spring training yeah so yeah. yeah and and what do you you know you feel, you said you mentioned content in 2006 and 7 and 8 and stuff and you know obviously i think content's changed a lot in mm-hmm. the especially in the last couple of years and you're seeing you know youtube sensations and 
and, and Instagram followings and stuff like how, how have you been able to when you look at that how do you think about that in terms of you know your portfolio career and some of the work that you're doing hmm that's if I had a, if I had an answer I think it'd be super super um, wealthy <laughs> right now um, there's so much there's so much noise hmm. it's why I've never built my business around content I've always been approach content on a project basis because it's such a scary business to be in with overhead so I think I mean there, there's so much noise and, and I think that it, it unfortunately forces most people towards certain kinds of content right you have to be splashier more surprising more mm. attention grabbing um, if you just want to have anyone's attention and, and I don't think that's necessarily a great thing for art but um, it's part of the game right mm. so so I think about that. I think about um, there's a book by um, the Stephen Pressfield, the guy who did the War of Art, called Nobody Wants to Read Your Shit, <laughs> <laughs> and it's a great book. And it's a, I have it on my shelf, and I just like stare at it <laughs> once a week when I'm thinking about work. And so that um, that's the I mean that's the phrase that I think makes the most sense in this world of content. Like even for like TV networks, they still have to remind themselves like nobody cares. You have to make them care. You need to force them to tune in. They're not. It used to be we used to live in a world where there were three TV networks, and no matter what you put on the air, it would get at least eight million people watching it. That's not the case anymore. Make um, them care. Yeah. Make them care. There are cable shows that get less than YouTube streams of people playing video games. That's it. Just playing video games. Yeah. 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 Okay. But I think doing something remarkable, and being super generous through the community, and having a direct relationship, I, I think it it still works, and I think. It's going to continue to work. It's just not going to be... There are going to be a lot of people in the... There are, and there are going to be more people in the middle where they're super... Um, they're leading a, a you know a, a small group of people that really care about what they're doing, and it's enough to sustain them. And they're beyond that group of people, and nobody knows who they are. But mm-hmm. within that world, they're the shit. And then uh, if you were to go back, you know, let's say you go to Fordham, and mm-hmm. you're going to give a you know, a speech or, you know, to talk to some of the students there about, you know, kind of their career journeys and some lessons learned. What would you, what kind of advice would you give them to people that are, you know, starting out? And- well, so, so I think it's always important, this is kind of a side note, and then I'll answer your question, to just contextualize that I've, I, I come from a certain amount of privilege, and that's totally informed my ability to take some of these risks mm-hmm. and to feel safe in that and there was certainly still some risk to it and some cost to it the thing i would tell kids at fordham is that is that if they've gotten to fordham they have some sort of support network and that it just gets harder to make big leaps that it like the older you get not only from a responsibility and a, and a financial perspective but just even from like a social perspective like you know starting something for the first time when you're 40 you're you know there may be some resistance you know there may be some social resistance to you doing that so and many people do that and do it successfully but it just gets harder so it just takes more energy so why not why not try things when you're young and when the world is more forgiving and you know <laughs> you can be more forgiving on yourself like why not that's the time to experiment i see i see a lot of people making safe choices right out of college and maybe it's because of their situation or because of their parents or because they're not sure what they want to do but to me that's the time to experiment i don't know if it's still a thing but but for a time with insurance it was like you could stay on your parents insurance until you were 25 yeah i don't know how that how that's changed with the exchanges but i was like that's what, that was my <laughs> advice like you have until you're 25 to like <laughs> to, to, to to do something to, to try to try the first thing and hopefully you'll try more things but but there's no excuse yeah and then uh 
how do you uh, how do you like tease out some new some new ideas? Do you like do you whiteboard? Do you you know run f financial models and numbers, mm. or do you call a group of friends and <laughs> say you know hey I've got this app idea or I've got this film idea? I try to write ideas down every day. Mm. Uh, when I'm when I'm feeling super productive, I do the ten ideas a day kind of thing. I think I forget who coined that, but I basically I I, I, I try to think about you know throughout my day. I think about things, and, and then I have a little running ledger, and when I'm stuck, I return to that ledger, but when I'm curious about any idea, I start to talk about it in the world in a really casual way, and I'm looking for that eyebrow test, which the uh, CEO of ZipRecruiter talks about, the eye, like, do, do people's eyebrows raise, but it's dangerous. It's dangerous to talk about it when, when it's not fully formed, in ca like, for, for the reason I said before, in case it is going to take some time to, to make sense. But, uh, but I just start to talk about it and think about it, and if it sticks, if it sticks for a while, then, I, then I'll maybe ask a couple of um, people who I respect their opinion. You know, for, I'll, I'll dive a little deeper, I'll create a one-sheet, I'll, I'll create a, you know, a landing page and, and uh, ask them some questions, try to get some feedback. And I always try to think about the version I can do you know, within my means, the, the leanest version possible, for lack of a better word. Um, how can I get, how can I learn something without spending a ton of money? So for Cave Day, that was, I came up with a, I showed Jake and Molly a one sheet. We had access to a space and, and, invited and yeah, invited some people and, and you know, we, we asked some vendors to donate some product. And so that was enough, enough to test the idea, which, and the, the bigger idea I had was also going on with Cave Day was like, could a workspace make you better? Could there be a space you can go to that can make you better? Because co-working has never done that for me. So, so that was a, a, a test of that idea. The, the leanest version was let's try for one day to see if we can help people do better work. Mm. So it could be, yeah, okay. And then for, for somebody that's not as involved in the media production, you mentioned you know, with, with Third Street, it was as if you were running a 30-person startup. What, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Like, what kind of skills, or you know, what what are some things that you're you know you really mm -hmm. focus on? That is, you mentioned leadership as well, but what does what does that look like for people <laughs> that don't you know that that see yeah. these films and, and and go to them or buy them? And but yeah. what is what, what happens behind the scenes? Hmm. Well, uh, so many things. We could do a whole <laughs> podcast just on that. Um, it, it requires. I think the the best analogy is opening a restaurant. Like it requires, a, you know, to be to have a little bit of everything. You need to be able to fix the thing when it breaks. You need to be able to have the vision. You need to be able to design the menu. You need to be able to to, to get people excited about your idea and see your vision. You need to be able to have some emotional intelligence to to help you know workplace dynamics out. You need to have self awareness so people you know you know trust you. And you need to be like you have, you have like some weasel energy to to know like how, how you're gonna sell it to the press. Mm. It, it, it can all come from one person. Every one person can have you know, you know the four four energies that I think it takes: nurturance, getting stuff done, you know, being strategic, and and then being able to like lead a be a leader. But four energies, yeah, like like the um, archetypal energies, like. Um, uh, there's a book called King Lover, Warrior, Magician, which is just about the four energies that that we all have within us: the lover, the who nurtures, the the warrior who gets stuff done, the magician who, you know, can be creative, and the king who can can lead and, and see others and and uh, and you know, bless the kingdom. So I, I see those as the four energies needed to to make a startup or to make a movie. Mm. Um, they can come from one 
one person ideally has access to all of them, but it can also be a team, right? There are plenty of directors who are terrible with people skills, but they know that they have a producer that's going to that, that handle that. <laughs> so, so self-awareness is probably the most important thing. Knowing where you're weak and collaborating with people who are strong where you're weak is probably the best, the best way through that. And then I, I can imagine that you're able to then utilize those, those skills and that, that work with, with Cave Day, right, and other projects too, right? If you're able to fix things that are broken and, and um, do you feel that way as well? As if you're able to kind of create a movie from, from, from scratch and every, all the elements of it, that you're able to then translate that over to Cave Day Hundred percent, and and it probably makes me annoying to, to work with because it's like I know how to do that, I know how to do that, I know. How to do that. Yeah, it's it, it's super helpful in getting off the ground and getting to getting things moved down the field. For me now, it's uh, well, even if I know how to do that, is it worth my time? Mm. But developing all those weird random skills definitely come in handy. You know, they they do come in handy for for whatever you end up doing more full time. Um, there's a my friend has a theory of that like every job you do uh, is is training towards that one job you're going to do that's going to use all those skills mm. and it's a really nice notion <laughs> yeah yeah and uh this day and age do you think it's do you think it's uh important or to have multiple projects or at least another community or another revenue stream you know how do you think about that is that essential uh if you're risk adverse like me it's important to have more than one revenue stream but I think there's also an argument for going full core press on something that you care about and you're passionate about and it's also a good business um, you know it probably wouldn't be good to you know to, to go full court on um, you know being in radio right <laughs> but you know so so I think it just depends on what the what the industry is and what the what the outlook is but I, I think you know you look at a lot of uh, titans of industry and they talk about how uh, lessons from one thing help them solve, you know, problems in other areas, and I think that's true. So, so it's poss- It's it's um. What I love about Cave Day is that it does make my work as a creator, as a filmmaker, as a director, as a producer better, and it, it allows me to think about how to make scripts happen quicker and things like that happen. So it it not only does it complement what I'm doing, it actually informs it. Okay. And then uh, I wanted to give the opportunity, Jeremy, is there anything else you'd like to talk about in terms of you know, your portfolio career and other projects or interests of yours? Mm. Yeah, I, th- I, I, I mean, um, uh, for, for me, when I was making Odd Job Nation, part of the story became that I'm a guy that does all these different things. And uh, or a question that we all need to ask ourselves about our portfolio career is, is having a portfolio career saying I have a portfolio career about hiding am I am I actually doing this as a way to to hedge my bet on what I really want to be so so that's something I think a lot about and when I had that experience with Thirst Street Blackout where I was really happy doing one thing it, it really made me question that you know is this just a way to um, I don't want to be put into a box so I'm not just a filmmaker you know even if I have a portfolio career am I just an artist and I'm an artist that works in different mediums and sometimes it's a movie sometimes it's a experience like Cave Day sometimes it's a social justice project you know maybe maybe it's just a way to not be the thing that you you know that feels scary to be hmm. oh, I love that that's uh, that's fascinating alright well Jeremy well I really appreciate your time and if people want to 
follow up with you and support you know some of your projects and initiatives what's the best way yeah uh, i'm the leaf is red on all social platforms the leaf is red just like red leaf cave day is caveday.org we do we do remote caves with people all over the world every friday and you know i'm googleable i'm on the i'm on the interwebs awesome jeremy i really, really appreciate your time on uh, portfolio career podcast and uh, looking forward to uh, seeing you in the cave soon yeah man thanks for having me